Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jesus, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, it says here Julian Edelman is back in Foxborough, Massachusetts as of this morning. But that is a conversation for another show because, ladies and gentlemen, it is the fight week of all fight weeks. I mean, I cut up a UFC T-shirt so I could have like a headband today. It is Monday, October 1, 2018, episode 173 of the Anakin Florian podcast. We are thrilled to have Ken Flo back in studio and what better week to have you back, my man? Looking young, looking fresh, looking good. <laughs> Thank you, my man. I like the Daniel Sun uh, headband, by yes. the way. It looks fucking phenomenal. And Thank I you, said, buddy. Fucking. I appreciate it. I love uh, it. I love it. But, um, dude, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I was in Alabama for a while with Tyron Woodley, and uh, right. it's good to be back, dude. This is such a huge weekend for me it's a it's a huge weekend for all the mixed martial arts fans out there we have a dream matchup and, and these things uh don't come around very often habib Nurmagomedov, of course against conor mcgregor just an insane card all the way across the board which we will talk about a lot which i'm very excited for i've been thinking about it for the last month or so uh so yeah man good to be back we are five days out, folks, from Khabib Nurmagomedov and yes. Conor McGregor, UFC 229. So I, you probably didn't listen to the show last week, Ken Flo, and we're not going to fault you for it. I know you were filming movies and doing <laughs> other things. but So I went around South Florida looking for a bottle of Proper 12 yep. to sort of christen on the show. I know you tried it on UFC Tonight, I yes. believe, right? Yes. So I was going to liquor stores last week before the show in South Florida, nothing doing. So I pushed out a tweet saying I was 0 for 3, and the folks at Team Proper coming up large, so... 
Dear John, Connor wanted you to have this bottle. You should be able to find it in South Florida real soon from Team Proper. So That's here awesome. is the Proper 12. As promised, here during fight week. Now, I don't know if we need to be drinking right now, but why not as we set the table? Uh, coming up today, we're going to have the UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley, by the way, uh, fresh off the movie set as well. He's going to join us, talk about the Conor McGregor-Habib Nurmagomedov fight, what he's got going on. Uh, how nice is this bottle, by the way? All right, so we got the rocks handy here. We got the proper 12. Yes. Okay, it is 9.43 a.m. Pacific, all right? I'm going to let that marinate a little bit. That's a healthy pour. Huh? That is a healthy pour. I, I did it around 11 a.m. over here Pacific. There you uh, go. There so you go. both of us are, are just complete degenerates, but it's okay. I'm going to have to fucking take this headband off, I think, before the end of the show. This thing's driving me crazy. So yeah. Proper 12 is in the building. Thanks to Brian and everybody that put this thing together. And let's see how it goes. It's good stuff, dude. I liked it. Oh, spicy, crispy chicken sandwich. That is fucking good, Deadflow, huh? It's good, right? It, it will, like it will, the proper 12. Yeah. Man. Put a little little pep in your step. Proper 12, right? And I know all the Habib fans are thinking, man, this is so one-sided, and it really isn't. It really isn't. Yeah. You know, I don't know if proper 12 is actually be on the canvas or not, but we are excited for Habib and Connor five days from now. And, Kenny, we're going to talk to Ray Longo here very shortly, so I don't want to get too deep into this. But yep. one thing I did want to talk to you about, the improvements that Conor McGregor might have made since November of 2016. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of his training was rooted in that Floyd Mayweather boxing match, but a lot of fighters talk about how much they can improve when they are not fighting an active every three-month schedule. And I just think as good as Conor McGregor was when he left the game as a two-division champion, um, I think we're going to see a different, better version, and I'm excited to see what improvements, what wrinkles, the better hands, and everything else that he'll put forward and present here Saturday night. John, I, I agree with you. First of all, when you're preparing for a very specific skill like boxing and when you're preparing for such a match against arguably the greatest boxer of all time in Floyd Mayweather, First of all, you're going to get better in training, right? You're going to sharpen your hands, your awareness, your, your sight, your ability to pick shots, your ability to time guys is going to be heightened by just working on that very specific skill. Um, and now let's add in the fact that he actually faced Floyd Mayweather, a guy that, you know, if you're, you have any kind of intelligence, and Conor McGregor is a very intelligent guy and he's a true martial artist, don't let the talk fool you. Um, you're going to pick up some things, things that were done to you, things that you wish you were able to do in there, right? So uh, he's going to come back sharper. There is no doubt about it as far as the striking goes. So uh, Habib has to be very careful there on the feet, um, and I think he's going to carry that confidence with him. And also we saw him come back after that Nate Diaz fight where he was beaten, uh, he was submitted, and he came back sharper than ever in his next fight. And he just continues to improve. His fight against Eddie Alvarez, you know, again, it's amazing how this guy continues to improve and add weapons into his arsenal. Uh, and I can't wait for this, man. He said to the MacLife.com, I'm a veteran now. I'll be prepared for five rounds. I'll be prepared for any scenario, and that's it. I'm well-trained. I put in the work, and I'm confident going in no matter where it goes. Well, always confident coming in here is Ray Longo, and let's not keep a good yep. man waiting. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. And the venerable Ray Longo now joins us. Looking good, <laughs> my man. That's it. With you teeing off with me today. This is awesome. Little, little extra like we're, pep in we're the on step. The first hole. 
we're drinking proper 12 whiskey for the program today, Ray. Is that okay? Exactly. That's perfect. That's <laughs> Doesn't perfect. mean I'm on Team McGregor. So uh, you've had a long time to sort of let this fight marinate. We talked to you a little bit about it last week, but here we are for fight week. Uh, last week we asked you about your enthusiasm for the fight. This week I just want to know from an analytical standpoint, what are you expecting to see Saturday night? Uh, look, first of all, for enthusiasm, I'm really excited for the fight. I think last week you asked me if there was a buzz around with the average guy, and I said I didn't think there was. Me right, personally, right. I'm su- I'm super excited for the fight. I Fair. think all hardcore fans are, but uh, it wasn't like when he fought Mayweather. I mean, you had the guy at the deli, you had the guy at Starbucks, you had this guy. Right. Everybody was talking about it. I'm not hearing one thing that way, but for me personally, I'm I'm super excited to see this fight. So what are your expectations? I think it's easy to say it could be Connor early uh, or more than likely Habib late, but obviously there's a lot of room in between there, and, and we know it's mixed martial arts. It's unpredictable. But what are your expectations for what we're going to see Saturday night, particularly early on in the fight? Uh, look, I, I, I just listened to what both you guys had to say. I, 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 I kind of agree, but uh, I think, uh, you know, like again, it's. It, I know it's it's simplifying it, but I think I'm, I ex- really expect uh, Khabib to pressure him, you know, intelligently, and to get this fight where he wants it, and that's going to be the biggest thing. If the other guy can survive and still have gas in the tank, you know, he he will do very well, if not win. But I think that's a big if. He's been off for a while, and I do agree with Ken. He's a super smart guy. He's definitely not stupid, but. Uh, I just think the guy's pedigree in wrestling is going to overwhelm any preparation he had. That That's just my, my gut belief. But, uh, yeah, did his hands get better with the boxing? I, I just, I'm not sure it's going to be a factor in the fight. Ray, how much do you think emotions come into play here? Because, first of all, there's no doubt about it that Conor McGregor has been in much bigger events. Than, than Khabib, right? I mean, the Floyd Mayweather fight alone for any fighter of any uh, discipline, mixed martial arts, boxing, it is huge. And he's been a part of these huge events. Khabib has not. The other thing that I look at, and again, this is not yeah. to take away from Khabib Nurmagomedov, but let's go back and look at reality here. This, the best guy that Khabib has beaten is Edson Barbosa. Right. Well, yeah, I know, but Edson Barboza is a, is a killer. Man. He absolutely I, is, I mean, but Kevin he, Lee did a, the exact same thing to him. What was that? Kevin Lee did the exact same thing to him, essentially. But Yeah, but Kevin Lee did it after he was already beat up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That day, I don't think I don't think Kevin Lee does that if if uh, Barboza never faced uh, uh, Khabib. I think psychologically that took a, a, a big mental toll on him, and then uh, I'm saying that's a big factor in the fight, but your point is really well taken. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor 100% will have the edge in being in front of the big crowd. He is right. not going to be phased by that. And the only time will tell whether Khabib will. So that's a huge, yeah. huge thing. And that could mean something. But if he settles into that fight, and like that's why I say I think that's what McGregor is trying to play on right. right now. And any little edge he gets, he understands is a big edge for this type of magnitude of a fight. Uh I think, uh, you know, you don't know what Khabib has seen in his life either. Yeah. This might be a joke to him. For sure. For sure. You're right. He grew up in one of the toughest spots. At one point, Dagestan was the most dangerous place in all of Europe. So I I agree with you. So, Kenny, I've talked to people that have been on the other side of that wrath, 
and it's not a joke. Yeah. And I'm saying this guy has seen shit that Conor McGregor would probably shit in his pants if he had to see. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that's going to play sure. into it, but Do- I don't think he's no stranger to seeing, you know, to being around stuff that is to the average guy very intimidating. Do you think Connor ramps up his act this week though to really try to get him as emotional as emotional as possible? I think that's his best bet. I think that's a that would be a smart thing to do. He's got to bring this guy out of himself. Mm-hmm. But again, I think Khabib I, I I and I might be I don't even know if I'm in the majority with this. I thought Khabib handled that well. He doesn't have to act out and say anything. Mm-hmm. Right. In his mind he could be saying this is a joke, buddy. I've seen guys get their heads chopped off. Right, right. You think you yelling at me with your bottle of fucking whiskey is going to intimidate me? <laughs> right, that, that's right. what I was seeing. You know what right. I mean? That's actually what I felt. I but, mean, people but took I, his quietness as a weakness, yeah. but I didn't. I don't think he's scared of him, though. My, my point is I think that the fact that he wants to kill him so bad could right. be his undoing. That's what I, I think. You know what I mean? Hey, possibly, Kenny, I'm, possibly. I'm going to tell you, listen, your point is right. Anytime I went into like a sparring match, because you know, I never I never fought, but I sparred a million times. Yep. You know, anytime yep. I went in there emotional, looking to hurt somebody, guess what happened to me? Yeah. Nothing good. Yeah. yeah. Every time, I'm going to say every freaking time I've gotten hurt. So, yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he can't go in there. Yeah. I, I just think, look, look at the team he's on. He's surrounded by people that have been in every situation possible. True. Yeah. He comes from a great camp, and I True. have to say that that's going to play into what we're talking about, that they will address every one of those things. Yep. It's You know what I'm saying? Like, if he was from a small camp and nobody was there before, but you got D.C., you got Cain Velasquez, you got – you just got – you know, Javier's got great experience. He's been around forever. I don't think – I think they make it a non-issue. I really do. I, I, I believe that camp does, and – uh, what better guy to have than D.C. and all the adversity and shit he's faced? Right. I mean, come on, right. man. I, I, I have to believe that plays a part into it. Yeah, no, I think so, too. And as I've said repeatedly, he's the most dominant force in the game until proven otherwise. And I think what is so exciting for all of us and why these hours take forever to get to Saturday is because we're so excited to see this play out, however it's going to go down one way or the other. All right, let's yeah. get your official yeah, prediction. Wait, wait, one, one, one quick thing, too. And Edson Barboza is, is, is a killer, man. He walked that oh, yeah. guy down. He took the best shit that guy had. I mean, he ragdolled Rafael Dos Anjos. You know what I mean? I mean, Al might, you know, I, I think I acquainted, I know what that kid could do. And, you know, that's why I say I think he kind of maybe gave everybody a little light because they don't look at Al as, you know, a top three fighter. But Al is really fucking good, man. Yep. Yeah. You know, he's really, really, he's, he's, you know, better than you think. He's tough as shit. He didn't let nothing bother him. And he can wrestle. You know, that's a big difference. If uh, Connor definitely doesn't have the wrestling chops Al has. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. That kid's been wrestling his whole life, and he's in the gym with all wrestlers. So that's a big thing, man. He yep. he walked down Barboza. I think he's going to be a little more intelligent than that. I don't think uh, McGregor kicks as hard as Barboza. He's got a great counter left hand. We all know that. And that's the that's the key. We all know that. And McGregor is great at, uh, as a counter puncher against another puncher. Is yeah. he great as a counterpuncher against another wrestler? That's what we're going to see. Right. You know, I mean, Khabib's not going to be in there throwing hands with him. You know, he's not going to give himself the chance to be counted. I think he gets underneath those punches, and it's going to be how McGregor deals with the adversity on the floor. You know, and we've seen it. Nate Diaz said it. 
Nate Diaz, he didn't submit him. He knocked him out. He got hit a couple of times, and he went for a takedown. Right. You know, that he might have finished the fight by his submission, but by all, you know, by all accounts, he, he beat him standing up. Yeah. Well, I think McGregor is an underrated grappler, and again, we're going to talk about that throughout the course of the show. We have to move on and get an official prediction. This would be really fun if you guys could just go head-to-head and say, like, loser shaves his head, but I know Kenny's not shaving his hair, and Longo, I know you'd like your lettuce as well, so we'll just have you go on the record with an official prediction. Now, Kenny, when you weren't here last week, I was giving away your money, so basically $500 is at stake for Ray what? here on this fight, okay? I didn't so agree here's to a, this. Well, Wait a minute. Kenny, you're a big movie star now. 500 shekels is nothing to you. <laughs> I'd had to go oh on the It was good. It was good. It was fun. It was fun. I need I need more Ray Longo experience. You need to put me in one of your movies, pal. I gotta get you. You know Come that on. kid you did the movie with did a did a movie years ago called Deuces Wild, I think it was, with yeah. a guy I that directed it and wrote it, a kid from a guy from Queens. He was older than Oh, me, cool, okay. Yeah, if you can't talk to him, but I think his name was Paul Mon I got to get his name. Okay. Right. Khabib and Paul, who? Yeah. Khabib and are fighting Saturday night. Paul, who gives a shit, right? All right. Wait, this, so Longo's lunch money. This is the anic I want yeah. to see. see. Say exactly. it again. Who He's gives a shit? Very ornery right now. Yes. Sorry. No, and, and, and look, nobody's ever calling me. No casting directors are ever burning up my line. <laughs> uh, all right. So Longo's lunch money, though. And sorry, right. I've been drinking, Ray. I mean, I've been drinking. <laughs> I'm going to say so, referee, referee stops it in the third round for Khabib. All right, Khabib, round three. Dang. Sounds like a TKO for Longo. So you get 300 on Khabib and then a $100 bonus for the round and the method of victory. So all told, you can win 500 bucks. We also told you last week another 500 Kenny's like, what are you doing here? Um, if you could tell us Ally Quinta's next opponent, do you have that information or not? Uh, I believe it's going to be Kevin Lee. There you go. All right. Ooh. So if it's Kevin Lee, that's another five hundred. This is going to be a merry Christmas at the Longo household. <laughs> I tell you what, Ray is. How the hell are you going to carry? We're that printing envelope? money over here at the Anakin Florian podcast. We're printing money over here, Ray. <laughs> How are you going to uh, carry yeah. that envelope next time you see me? <laughs> I don't even think you guys are strong enough to lift that envelope up. All right. Yeah, we're not. Well, uh, I certainly am not. All right. I'll get you out of here on this because we got Tyron Woodley hopefully coming up here in a few minutes. Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold. There are rumblings that that could be elevated to be the main event for UFC 230. I know Weidman's the cardio king and everything else, but here you are four weeks out, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't know with certainty whether or not you're training a guy for a three-round fight or a five-round fight. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. Right. Well, right now we're training for a three-round fight, and I think that – I don't, I don't know. If it goes another well, week. It's about time you broke some news on the Anakin Florian podcast, <laughs> yeah. Ray. Jesus, this guy, he holds everything I'm close to his so. chest. We've been training Finally. for a three-round fight, but after this conversation, today we start for five rounds for sure. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right, my man. Thank you for the time. Enjoy the festivities this weekend, and we will talk to you uh, bright and I'm early psyched. Monday. You'll be getting texts during the night. Text me. Please do. <laughs> Give me some insight. I'll, I'll credit you on the broadcast. Help a guy out. Thanks, Ray. All right, guys, take it easy. Go get him. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So I want to raise the stakes and see if he could actually give us some meat, right? Right. So I, Quinton, Kevin Lee now have to fight in order for him to realize that $500. But I figured we always give Ray Longo a Christmas bonus. So Mm -hmm. full disclosure, we're trying to sort of sweeten the pot this year and, and make it good for Ray. So... A few telling quotes I thought from Conor McGregor. I mentioned the MacLife.com. 
just in terms of the media obligations and everything that fight week may or may not entail for him. Uh, Here's a quote from Connor. What the fuck do they want? Do they want me here to fight or do they want the comedy rose special? That was the situation with this press conference. They wanted the world tours. They wanted this and that. I'm a bit confused. What the fuck they're asking here? One minute, there's too much talk and there's not enough action and there's not enough fighting. And then when it's fighting, it's not enough talk. So look, with all due respect to everyone, and then he paused. He said, fuck everyone. This is something in me that I'm just itching to get in there and compete and do what I do best. And I think at the root of this, Kenny, Connor is excited to resume his mixed martial arts career, work on his MMA legacy. The reason you and I were so firm in our belief that he was going to come back to MMA after he had that stint in boxing was because he has the love of the game. And I think that is something that we also lose sight of in this whole Conor McGregor narrative. This guy loves the game, and he is excited to have an opportunity to prove himself against the consensus toughest fighter he will have ever faced. Nothing motivates you more as a professional fighter than coming off of a loss. So make no mistake about it, he will come back with a fire that we probably haven't seen before. Will it be enough to beat Habib? We're not so sure. Uh, that is a tough, tough challenge. But there is no doubt. Everything that I'm hearing is this guy has trained extremely hard for this fight. Um, he has taken it very seriously. We've seen him um, not do a whole lot of media requests leading up to this. I expect him at this press conference coming up, I believe it's on Thursday, yes. uh, for him to ramp it up yet again in all fight week. He'll be, you know, I'm sure, tweeting this and that and Instagramming this and that. Um, poking and prodding, but uh, he will do most of it uh, at the weigh-in and at the press conference. Um, but he's not doing anything extra as he used to do. And, he, and you know what? He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to promote himself. Anytime that Conor McGregor shows up to anything, it is an event in and of itself. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting uh, this fight week to see what he does to try to rattle Habib Nurmagomedov. And if you oh. recognize the track oh. in the background... What we call in television a layout. Oh, good. So good. All right, now joining us on the Anakin Florian podcast. Figured we'd let his track lead in today. I'll beat your ass release September. It can be yours on iTunes for 99 cents. Rapper, UFC welterweight champion, actor, father of the year. Tyron Woodley is with us. Champ, how you doing? Hey, what's up, fellas? So we figured if, if Bellator fighters this weekend had the opportunity to walk out to I'll Beat Your Ass, that we would at least usher you in with your track <laughs> today. Congrats on everything you got going on, man. It's got a good sound to it. Man, I appreciate it, man. The, the song is going ham right now. I appreciate all the love and support. You know, um, all my celebrity friends stepped up and really kind of helped me get it out there. And anytime you do something new, you always have that fear, especially being an athlete, crossing over to uh, music. It's always that stigma. Oh, my God, here we go again. Da, 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 da. So I just took a lot of time. The same way I do with fighting or any other uh, craft that I, I pursue, I go ham. I go all in. So that song was actually recorded like eight months ago. And um, just, the, just the sound and the delivery and all the things that I've been working on, I treat it the same way as Champ Camp is getting ready for a fight. 
and the calculated release of it right after knocking out Tyra, uh, finishing Darren Till, I should say, for your fourth successful UFC welterweight title defense. It's funny you talk about the fear because I've been a rap fan since I was a kid and we used to freestyle rap. There was no better feeling in the world when you actually got one out there clean. But I've wanted to do like a UFC track and do a rap track, and I think fear has has held me back. I got most of it written, T. Wood, but I just don't know how to take the next step. Well, let's get you in the studio because that's really what it is. When you get in the studio, it's this, it's this magical thing that happens when you're in our vibe and you hear the music. And especially, like, I put myself around MCs that are better than me. Same way I put myself around boxers that are better than me and rappers that are better than me. They stretch you. They make you dig deep. They make you not want to become the weakest link. And I think that's what happened. I took Lamar, I took Lamar, my video, my videographer from um, Champ Camp, Champ Life. I took him in the studio. I said, get in there. Right. And we did a cover to um, Nas' song, Not For Radio. And the dude went ham. And it's just something about being in that studio. So what I would say is, if you wrote it down, you got it in your mind, I would go into the studio and once the beat hits you and you feel it go through your body, you know that's it. Let's do it. Let's record uh, and just do it. I want to see you. I want to see you trash Anik in a rap battle, T Wood. Please, trash <laughs> this dude. You know what? I'm I'm better at writing for some reason. I become right. a I become a pretty good writer as far as writing lyrics because I think it's really just telling the story. And I got so many avenues. You know, whether it's music, you know, growing up in Ferguson, fighting, going out to the club, making a lot of money, being broke. You know, being involved with gangs, seeing drug dealing, shot, you know, everything you can think of, it's a big spectrum that I've, you know, been blessed to be a part of. And I call them all blessings. I call, you know, growing up in a house of 13, that John Attic, you know, took us around in the clinch, and you guys got to see my home story. That, that was a blessing. I wouldn't be who I am had that not happened. So I'm not that great at battle rapping. Battle rapping is a whole different world. Right, it's different right. than freestyle rapping, and it's different than writing. Yeah. There's some battle yeah. rappers out there that I don't even understand how they come up with this information, and they can rap for five minutes straight. So, Anik, if you can do that, you're probably going to get me. <laughs> I don't think I'd be good in that setting, but I have like 55 UFC fighters in the track, right? I'll give you a little taste right now, Flo. So right, that's a all fact. Right. Don't say I didn't warn you. I'll swarm all over your ass like I'm Israel Adesanya. Smoke a blunt. Go watch Mark Hunt. I mean, what else you need? You know, I, I got T Wood in there. Hey, hey, you know what? I, I feel it. I can feel it. So what you need, to, what you need to do is you need to you need to let me get you a beat, and we need to get in the studio. When I'm in LA, I got a studio on Sunset that I go to. Um, or if I'm in Florida, wherever we're at, I, we can hook up a link. Boom, my man, I love you. All right, well, let's talk. Let's talk fighting for a little bit because this is the first time we've had the chance to talk to you since you beat Darren Till just a few weeks ago. And I saw Dean Thomas in the hotel after the fight and you got your Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and everything else. But I said to Dean, I hope you guys can enjoy this win because whether we put Darren Till on a pedestal or not or overrated him or not, um, I hope you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. How satisfying was this singular win for you? You know, it was extremely satisfying, and, um, you know, a lot of people don't know where it goes into the fight game. They see the fight, they see the training, they see the press conference, but they don't recognize what goes on behind the scenes, what, what issues people actually have, real-life issues that they have to deal with in addition to training. You know, if you got kids or, you know, I had training partners, you know, um, I brought in um, Chris Jaco, which is a great striking guy to bring in, right? Tall, linear, of southpaw on the first day of training towards ACL. We had spar, we had finished, we, we felt good. Let's do one more round. I got in on a single leg, and he defended it awkwardly, and it tore his ACL on the first day. 
So now I got this guy all the way in from Poland, and now I got to figure out who I'm going to train with. You know, I don't have anybody in St. Louis that's qualified to be a Darren Teal, so then I got to scramble again. You know, and, and just all the different things I had to do to prepare for this training camp, it was just refreshing and it was a blessing to be able to go in there. But now I actually got unlocked, man. I can tell you one thing. God has really he's done something special with me because when you lock the octagon, all my pain, all my drama, all the politics, all the naysayers, all the haters, it, it don't matter at that point. I don't think about it. It don't affect me. Like, even injury. I've, I've walked into so many fights with injuries, broken bones and torn ligaments and strained growings, and I know adrenaline is a powerful hormone. I know it, and I don't think about it. And, and, and that's, just, that's just something that I, I actually took for granted that, that I – was able to do so to have a training camp and to be able to you know put everything together and have my coaches i had duke way more than i've ever had him i had eric brown eric brown has never left um california except for kid chocolate um to train never no other boxer he's trained everybody he came out to milwaukee over the weekends for my three weekends in a row to box with me i trained 20 days straight because i knew it was a short camp and I knew I had a press conference on a Thursday, um, the week that the fight was at the, um, in L.A. Mm-hmm. I trained all the way into that Thursday, and I treated it as all day because I was traveling. And guess what happened? I got there, I said, fuck it, I'm training anyway. Got it in in the back. So the mindset was different yeah. for me. I took it personal. Well, Tyron, people, people in the sport. I want to talk about that mindset as well because it, it was like all business. You went in, you defended your belt against Darren Till impressively, finishing a, a, a guy um, with with that Darce, and you made it look really easy, man. And then after you got up, it was like, eh, no big deal. Why did you approach it like that? Why was your mindset like that? Was that – where did that come from? You know, the thing about me is, you know – Anytime I train for somebody and I do the work, in the beginning of the training camp, I may look at a fighter and I was like, you know what? This person does this well. Perfect example, I fought Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit, he may be still my favorite fighter. So I'm fighting a guy I'm a fan of. I'm fighting a guy that I love to watch fight. No, no other fighter at that point in time, I, you know, I was a bigger fan. And I got to fight him now. So when I was watching this film, I was like, damn, this dude's good. And I was getting butterflies. But as I train, as the weeks go by, week two, three, four, we go back and watch them again. Hey, we fixed that problem. We need to fix Hey, I forgot about this. Let's add this in. We go two or three more weeks. I watch it again. Now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, how can he beat me? Where can he, where, where can he fill a hole at? Then come fight week, I'm like, I'm so confident. So that's where, that's where the confidence comes from. It comes from my training staff, my repetitions in the gym, and just the preparation. So when I saw Darren Till, I'm like, this kid really believes it. He's authentically confident, not just talking because it sounds good. He thinks he can beat me. I was that undefeated fighter that I didn't care who it was. I never thought I was going to lose. You could call everybody losing MMA. I said, I ain't going to lose. I swear I said it so many times. So I saw that in him. He possessed, anytime you have two skills, if you have the ability to, to knock somebody out with KO power, you have the ability to either take me down or stop me from taking you down, now you're, now you're a threat. He possessed the scrambling ability to get back up to his feet real quickly, as we saw in all his fights. Mm-hmm. He had good leverage from his Muay Thai clinch. Two guys off balance. You know, he kept a long distance, a long range, which forbade a lot of people from getting takedowns on him. And we all seen the KO from the left hand, left elbow, 
you know, he's vicious when he, when he hurts you. So he had the ingredients, and they were boosting him up, and they were marketing him, and they were saying he was the next Conor McGregor. So I just took the silent approach. I did what I do best. I got it in the mud, and I wasn't talking shit. I wasn't all in the social media. I said, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to beat his ass. Then I'm going to drop a track next week Said. I'll beat your ass, but who going to tell me I won't after this performance? That was my mindset. It, it, it was amazing, man. Uh, very well done. And, and listen, I know you hurt your hand in that fight against Darren Till. What round did you do it in, and when will we see you again? You know, I, I do have to have a surgery. I'm getting it done next week. I was I was supposed to get it done this week, um, but I got so much stuff to do in Vegas. I'm working at a desk. Uh, I'm performing for the first time. I'm um, hosting and opening up for Everlast. At Brooklyn Bowl Fridays, so oh, you guys wow. hear this before the end. Yeah, so every last, I gotta look at the flyer for I ruin these other guys' name, but uh, I'm doing that at Brooklyn Bowl Friday. Um, I got all these appearances and autograph signings. I just didn't want to be down like that, so I'm getting it done. Um, I'm going back to Pensacola, Florida. And I'm getting it done um, uh, on the 10th. So this will take me out for eight weeks. But to answer your question, um, Kiflo, I did it at the end of the first round. If you look, mm. uh, if you go back and look at the fight, what he did was. He does something really weird. He keeps distance, but when someone throws an overhand right, it's actually kind of genius. He blocks from the front just in case it's a straight punch, but he steps in. So the punch doesn't clip around the chin. That's, when I throw an overhand right, I'm assuming that the people are going to block because anytime you throw speed or anything fast, the natural human reaction is to block, right? Mm -hmm. To block your face because you don't know what's going to come. So then I can sneak that overhand right behind the glove and get the jawline. So he steps in. So he blocked both his head and stepped in, and I hit the back of his head, like his skull, like behind the ear. Probably one of the, the hardest damn balls on your body. Yep. And I hit it, and my thumb hit it. So it dislocated my thumb. My bone was sitting up. It tore three or four ligaments. And, you know, now that's why I have to have a, um, they call it a suture bridge. So they're going to provide some stability and prevent me from having arthritis. Um, so I do that eight weeks, and I'm back training Got a couple more minutes here with UFC welterweight King Tyron Woodley here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So Kenny sort of touched on it that you seemed more excited to get that Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt maybe <laughs> than to have successfully defended your UFC welterweight championship. And, and Ken Flo smiling as I say that. But you aren't a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. That being said, I'd imagine privately you have had some emotional moments, maybe tears of joy when you think, man, look where I was, look at my childhood, and now here I am, you know, providing for generations past and present. I mean, have you had that private moment where you've at least exhaled and allowed the emotions to spill over a little bit? You know, I mean, you couldn't put it any um, any better, um, Anik, but the thing that people don't know is Dean is a G, man. He, he knew that, and I've been a brown belt for over five years, um, Ricardo Laborio had left American Top Team and, you know, some static with that. And I was supposed to get my black belt awarded from him a couple of years ago. And obviously those things happened. So, you know, that kind of got put on the shelf. But I was like, you know what? I'm a martial artist. I'm not going to stop doing this. So if you keep training and you stay with it, you're going to eventually be a black belt. I May mean, I tell any white belt that if you don't quit, you will be a black belt. It's the only sure thing, you know, in sport. You may not win a UFC title. You may not you know, be a, a world champion boxer. But if you start as a white belt and you never quit and you stay with it, at some point you're going to uh, reach black belt status. So that was my mindset on it. Dean left during fight week. Kind of crazy, Seth Howard. I got drilled and I got Duke and those guys for your weight cut. I got a show that I had that I got to go and do. 
I'm going to leave one day and I'm going to come back. You know what Dean did? He went, he went, flew back to Florida. Yeah. He met with Ricardo Laborio and asked him for the blessing to award me my black belt. Got the black belt from Florida. Flew back out to fight week. That's the I kind mean, of dude amazing. Dean is. Yeah. So I didn't know I was even, I didn't know I was getting a black belt. I didn't know anything about nothing. I was just going to, man, to be honest, I was trying to knock him out. That's right. all I, all I kept visualizing me knocking him the fuck out, standing above him, and just looking at him fall like a sack of potatoes, not celebrating, not cheering, just walking away. Because that's what champions <laughs> do. That's right. what I do. So when I submitted him and the black belt came out, I lost it. Because as a martial artist, that's a lifetime achievement. That might that might surpass me being an All American. That's a definitely surpassed me winning a um, UFC title. That's a moment that as a martial artist, you've achieved the highest level of that sport, and it takes a long time to do it. Right. So, you know that's 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 something that you know was near and dear. And I and I'll tell you what I said to what I said to um, Dean right before I walked in the octagon, and I almost I almost cried a little bit then. I shook his hand uh, and I looked at him. I said, "Man." Sh- I said, Dean, we still here, man. I said, we've been set this shit forever. I said, here we go. I said, we're about to do it again. I was that confident. I said, we're about to do it again. And and he he started smiling. And that shit happened, man. It was, that was probably one of the best moments of my life, to be honest. It's, it's awesome. amazing, man. And he said to me in the lobby after the fact, he said, I really thought Tyron was going to get it done by rear naked choke. So I had to have the blessing. I had to have the belt in tow. And, That's of great. course, he got the submission and, and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. All right. 30 seconds on Khabib and Conor because it does seem as though Conor McGregor has interest in fighting you potentially if he gets by Khabib this weekend. I also wanted to get your thoughts on the confidence an undefeated fighter brings into the octagon because some suggest, as you pointed to the value of the Nate Marquardt loss for you, that maybe being undefeated could work against Khabib in this setting. So any thoughts on the big fight and your future potentially with Conor before we let you go? You know, me and Kinsaw talked about this as we was being superstars on the movie In Battle. <laughs> we were talking about this in, in our trailer, you know, as I was kicking around those Air Africa um, Usman 11s. Um, we, we, we decided that this is an even fight. Each guy's strength is the other guy's weakness. You know, the right. timing and the sharpness and the power of Conor McGregor is a kryptonite to Khabib. Khabib's pressure, his wrestling, and his ability to ground and pound you and do it round after round after round is going to, you know, be very difficult for Conor to deal with. I think that the undefeated streak could potentially pay a factor because once, until, like the DC said this, until somebody has beaten you, you don't know how to lose. you got to teach an undefeated person how to lose. Now, I told Darren Till, I said, man, I saw it earlier in this week, and I'm just telling you, when I was your age and I was fighting for a world title, nobody could have, you couldn't have paid me. Um, to believe I was going to lose. I was having a shelf prepared in my gym for the belt to go on. So (laughs) Conor McGregor is going to have to teach Khabib how to lose. And also, if if Conor thinks he's sweet and he want to play around, if he allow one and two rounds of Conor McGregor getting close to him, not even taking him down, getting close to him, getting a hold of him, he's going to wear on him. He's going to take away his kind of speed. He's going to put him on the ground where we know he's going to have the, the sheer advantage. And that's what I think. That's how I think the fight's going to play out. Whoever dictates that, if Conor can keep the space, keep the distance, you know, use his right hand just to keep him at bay, snipe him with the left as many times, and then move. If he can do that, Khabib has not shown us that he's a multi-dimensional fighter. 
It just so happened that his one dimension is so fucking um, dominant that nobody right. else has been able to stop it. If Connor can stop that one dimension, Khabib is not going to stop trying the game plan. He's going to keep trying to strike to a takedown, strike to a takedown. And if he don't find it, I think he's going to find a left hand and get knocked out. All right, well, we look forward to getting your official prediction on the pre-fight show coming up on FS1 Saturday night. And I just got to say on the way out, man, you know, as a guy who has listened to rap and hip-hop my whole life, I had high expectations for I'll beat your ass. I think your voice sounds great, man. I think you've got a success. Congratulations on that. Hope the surgery goes well, and we will see you in Vegas in a couple days, my friend. Thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it, guys. T. Wood. All right, there hey, he is, hey. UFC welterweight champion. Tyron Woodley here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I'll beat your ass, man. I like it. I like it. It's got a good ring to it. It's on my iTunes, man. I get. Was that playing in the movie trailer all weekend, or did he give you a little respite there? Believe that. Believe that. He listened to everything, but no, I'm just really impressed with Tyron just as an individual. You look at a guy who's the UFC welterweight champ of the world. He's defending the belt. He's defended the belt more times than any other champion currently. Uh, He's out acting. He's um, an amazing father. Uh, He's just got so many different. Uh, you know, rods in the fire, it, it, irons in the fire. It, it's it's amazing, man. This guy is very, very talented. Decent father. I mean, decent father, <laughs> right? No, I, I'm just kidding. But I, I do wonder how some of these guys can be a truly elite father when you have all these different irons in the fire. But hopefully he got good help and family yes. and takes a village, as we all know. But you're right, Kenny. Very impressive. And certainly in terms of the mental game, as you heard there, he has absolutely yeah. uh, mastered fight night. And Darren Till can speak to that. All right. Now with us on the guest line, a guy who if I had asked him to come on today at 1 p.m. Pacific, he probably would have said no because at that time, it's going to be the NL West tiebreaker between the L.A. Dodgers and his Colorado Rockies from ESPN.com. My friend, our former colleague, Brett Okamoto is with us. Brett, sorry for the short delay there, my man. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm great. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean, if my phone starts ringing at 1 p.m., don't expect an answer. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Well, and right after I reached out to you, I, I saw that Brewers-Cubs game was starting about right now, and I was thinking if the Rockies were in that slot, that was really inconsiderate of me. I promise we're not going to spend more than 30 seconds on baseball, okay, during the week that Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor are going to fight. But if you do know Brett at all, as Kenny does a little bit, um, you know he has few greater passions than the Colorado Rockies, who have had an amazing two-week stretch, an amazing season. I mean, you got to be on cloud nine right now, but this is a, a very legitimate distraction, I would think, for you here during the busiest work week of your year. I'm going to get some work done this morning, and... Uh... <laughs> And I'm going to yeah. make sure that I have nothing on my plate come 1 p.m. And it's, it's, it's awesome because actually a couple of weeks ago when the Dodgers swept the Rockies, and quite frankly it looked like they were in a bad spot, their season may be over, I was at right. one of those games when Chris Taylor hit a walk-off home run to win it. So to compare that with how I'm feeling now and then to go in and potentially win the division at 163 games in L.A., I mean, you know me, John, this is, this is the best, best day of the year for me right now. Well, and that's part of the reason that I wanted to book you on the show. And just for some of our international fans that maybe don't care or don't know, if the Rockies win today, they're guaranteed a five-game series. If they lose today, it's a one-game eliminator. So massive stakes for your Rocks today. I wish them the best. But you just got back to Vegas from San Jose, California. Of course, you were there embedded with Khabib Nurmagomedov during the final days of his training camp. Very telling back and forth between you guys right now at ESPN.com. Uh, what was most telling for you in the time that you spent there in San Jose recently? You know, I'll be honest. I think one of the biggest takeaways I had is that 
there really is nobody who can be completely immune to the mental warfare that Conor McGregor puts you through. Like, mm. I can remember, I thought, you know, when, when Jose Aldo was, was first going to fight him, when he finally bought, you know, had, had ran through the, the featherweight division and we knew that fight was next and he jumped over the cage in Boston and, you know, confronted Jose Aldo in the crowd. I remember thinking that then, like, well, you know what? Aldo's not going to be susceptible to this because Aldo is Aldo. He's, he's the best potentially of all time. He's certainly the best featherweight of all time. He's not going to be, you know, thrown off by any mind games. And then he absolutely was. He completely was, you know. Right. And, and then I kind of thought the same thing about Nate Diaz. But that rivalry, you know, just because it became so emotional and so heated, I don't think it really necessarily affected Nate's performance so much. But my point here is that, you know, you may think the same thing about Habib because he's so confident in his skill set. He comes from a part of the world that just, to me, it seems like those guys, they manage their emotions so well. But I will say, like, I sense real anger in, in Habib. And, and, and how could it not? I mean, after all the things that Connor has said and some of the personal things, attacks that he's made on him, not to mention that whole bus incident, it's, it's having an effect on Khabib, I will say that. And, that. and that's what's so strange. And again, you bring up Aldo, but how about Eddie Alvarez? How many fights has he had? How many he, He's fought all over the world in big events, and the same thing. He knew exactly what he needed to do as far as game plan, and he couldn't do it. He told, his, he told his coach, he apologized to everybody, sorry I didn't stick to the game plan. Why didn't he stick to the game plan? Because of those emotions attached, for the, attached to that fight against Conor McGregor. And you look at Conor McGregor when he walks out before that fight, it seems like he was, you know, about to jump into the jacuzzi. Like, he was so relaxed. It was exactly where he needed to be. exactly where he believed he should be at that moment in time. And so, you know, for Habib... Did you notice that he was emotional, and do you think he's going to carry that emotion that he showed you that interview to fight night? Yeah, well, the, the, the key part in that, I think, is that it doesn't take much. You know, it doesn't have to be the situation where Khabib is just so angry that he's, you know, staying up at night and that, you know, he, he's, he's just, he, he's just his, 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 you know, fists are clenched for the entirety of fight week. It doesn't have to be that. All it could be is just a little bit of tightness in the first minute of the fight. And that's why I think this fight is so fascinating, because the first 30 seconds, first minute, is so important. I think if Khabib is able to get his hands on Connor and get some type of confidence going, well, then, you know, those nerves wash away. But if he has even just the slightest little bit, like, ah, God, I really want to hit this guy, I really want to get in there, I really want to take him down right away, and he makes just the slightest mistake, that's Connor McGregor is the kind of guy that you can't do that again. So... Like, what we're talking about here is, again, it's not this big thing where, you know, you're going to see it all through fight week and it's going to have this massive impact on, on, on everything. The point is, is that it doesn't need to be that. It could be the slightest little thing right. in the first 30 seconds of the fight that could cost Khabib. Right. Well, well Brett, um, you know, from what you're hearing, from what you're seeing, from the buzz around this fight, um, do you see this being the biggest fight in UFC history? Yeah, it's a little weird. You know, it was like... A couple of weeks ago, even, you know, last week, I would have said, you know, the buzz just doesn't feel like it's there. But I, what, I've, what I've been telling people is, you know what, I think it's going to be a late buzz, you know? Like, when, when Nate Diaz fought Conor McGregor the first time, we didn't even know the fight was going to happen until, what, like 11 days before? It doesn't mm-hmm. take a long time to create buzz with the social media world that we live in and then Conor McGregor being so good at it. So I'll be honest, right now, it does not feel like the biggest fight of all time to me on a Monday. But, you know, ask me again on Friday, and I think my answer will be, will be very different. Right. See, too much Rockies baseball on the brainstem, right? <laughs> yes, when, when, you get, when you've got something of the magnitude of a Rockies playoff game, it's hard to, <laughs> yeah, hard to compete with right. that on a Monday. 
<laughs> I get it. ESPN's Brett Okamoto with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And you mentioned sort of biggest fight in UFC history. And 229 certainly is tracking very strong on pay-per-view. Some estimates north of 2.5 million buys. How much credit, or can we quantify, Brett, how much credit Khabib Nurmagomedov deserves for those numbers? Because Conor's going to get the lion's share of money and credit, and rightfully so, but, you know, Khabib's got like 6 million followers on Instagram. This guy has a definite following, and I think maybe for the first time in a long time, there might actually be some competition for the crowd because Nurmagomedov has such a fan base. I mean, shouldn't he get some credit for some of those internal estimates? Yeah, of course. I think so. It's difficult because, you know, Habib doesn't have a real great track record of he's not he's not a proven pay-per-view draw. But at the same time, I don't know if you can necessarily hold that against him because he's had some major fights fall through. You know, I, I think, you know, in, internally, you know, John, I'm sure you heard this, that his numbers with uh, Tony Ferguson were tracking very well earlier this year before before Tony got hurt. So, right. um, I mean, it is still Connor. I mean, Connor is the pay-per-view draw and he is against anybody he faces. But I think when you've got a guy who's got the undefeated record, of course, He's got that stoic, you know, pan delivery when he sits up there on, on at a press conference, and then he also just ha- he brings a global element to it because of where he's from, because of you know his Muslim belief and and uh, you know that 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 crowd that he brings and that that uh, culture that he touches, and they're very much behind him. I saw that you know at, at the gym when when they had a big send off on Friday. So he brings a lot of different. It, it, like you said, it's hard to quantify. But he's definitely bringing a whole lot of value and elements to this fight that, that no one else would bring. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I also understand that the fighters and the teams are are very confident that they know what's going to happen here Saturday night. I would challenge the fans out there who feel so convicted in one outcome one way or the other. Um, are you required by ESPN to go on the record and make a prediction? I know you're a grown man, but but in a perfect world, would they ask you to make a prediction on this fight? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I don't really love giving predictions because, you know, these guys see it and then they hold it against you. You know, they, these guys are sensitive guys. No one wants to, to hear that, you know, I think I'm picking against them or anybody's picking against them. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's one of those fights that's, that's very close. I mean, I could see two very distinct possibilities. If, if Khabib is able to get him to the floor, it's going to be a bad night for Connor. I think, you know, that's, that's not stepping out on any limbs. If, if Connor can keep it standing, then it's going to probably be a long night for Khabib. I haven't made a prediction yet. I will. I will definitely make one on ESPN this week. I, I, I'm going back and forth. It's one of those fights, and you get you get a few of these every year. I'm going back yeah. and forth. My initial thought was was Khabib, 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 and now as it gets closer, man, I don't know. It's just that part of your brain tells you that Connor is such a big time player in those big time moments that you just right. you really struggle picking against him. Right. Bet against him at your own peril. The only time he's lost in the UFC, I got a 209 tattoo to show for it. Brett, just don't put a tattoo on the line. You'll be fine. You know, just give the prediction no tattoo attached to it. You know, sorry, you're breaking up. What'd you say? I said, as long as you don't do like a tattoo bet attached <laughs> to your prediction, you'll be fine. Luckily, you took that bullet for me, man. I was considering it, but then I saw how it went for you yeah, and I was right. like, ah, yeah, that's, that's too good. bad for me. All right, last thing, and I got a million things to get to with you, but we're up against the clock a little bit. I spoke with Daniel Cormier over the weekend, and he had a lot to say about his personal situation, a lot of which I would like to share. But the minute I tried to, like, pry him for information and shift the focus to Khabib, you know, he closed the laptop. Like, he literally went silent. So I just wanted to get your take on sort of the team vibe and the relative confidence of Javier Mendez and the guys that you were around as they get ready for, for one of the biggest fight weeks of their respective lives as well. 
Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I I saw Daniel at AKA. He was running his children's wrestling program, of course, and the guy is just so busy. You know, I, he he we were able to shake hands, and he had something he was running to. You know, he's, he's a family man, and he's got a lot of obligations, obviously, to come with being a double champion. And he, we didn't talk much about the fight. I mean, he's always going to be supportive and behind his guy, of course. Um, Javier Mendez, I, I will say this: he's very confident. He's he's very very confident. And I asked him. You know, as as we were just kind of before I left the gym, I was like, I, I know you're confident, and I know you're really confident in your guys' skill, obviously, and who wouldn't be? I mean, the way he goes in and dominates fights, and he's never lost a round in the UFC. But like, as the fight gets closer, do you get like that real sense of of nervousness? No, just, and I don't even want to. I don't. Even, I, I hesitated like even putting this out there because a lot of times these guys don't even want to think about the possibility of losing. But you know, Hav, like like this is like what if Connor catches that perfect shot, you know, and what if we all know that this sport is, is unforgiving and just one small mistake ends up with Khabib on the canvas, like in everything that would go along with that and the magnitude of this fight, like you have to get some butterflies in your stomach, just even thinking about that possibility. And he point blank confidently said, said, no, I'm not nervous. I've been nervous for fights in the past. This is not one of them. I'm not nervous going into mm-hmm. the next week. And, and I believe him. He seemed very, very confident. That's very interesting stuff. Well, it'll be a big fight atmosphere for sure and something that uh, Khabib hasn't necessarily seen, but I think most of us are pretty confident in, in his ability to handle it. And if you want Brett Okamoto's final prediction, seems like a Conor McGregor lean, but you can get it later in the week at ESPN.com. Thanks for the time, my man. We always call you in for the big ones, and uh, I'll be rooting on your rocks today, man. I played them plus 150. I hope they get it done for you. <laughs> that was going to be my last question before I signed off. Do you got money on my rocks? I'm happy you're on the I do, and, and as you know, what I would suggest you do is to bet on the Dodgers so that at least that'll soften the blow <laughs> if the Rockies lose. It's the Annex special. I don't need I don't need to. If I got Annex money on, on the Rockies, ah, it be against go. this, man. And you, and you got a good number. You got a good number. You know your stuff. That's right, my man. All right, thanks, Brett. We'll see you in Vegas, bud. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right, ESPN's Brett Okamoto with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. We are going to make some predictions here shortly. But first, you've heard us say a lot over the last several weeks, UFC Bantamweight champ TJ Dillashaw absolutely loves the fight, loves the strategy. You know what else he loves? Toyo tires, because like Dillashaw, Toyo tires are as tough as they come, and they are the official tire of the UFC. You know, there's a lot to love about Toyo tires, aggressive design, proven on and off-road capabilities. These truly are tires for any weather. They've got the toughness to back it all up, and then some. There's a confidence that comes with tough tires. So no matter what you're driving, no matter where you're driving, you can count on Toyo tires. And, of course, they look great as well. I can vouch for that. They are also the choice of so many fighters up and down this UFC roster. Tough people love tough tires, and Toyo tires have been proven time and time again. So if you're tough, these are the tires for you, Toyo tires. So the next time you need tires, ask for Toyo, the official tire of the UFC. Learn more at toyotires.com slash UFC, toyotires.com slash UFC. UFC 229 is upon us. Ken Flo has exhausted the clock. It is time for him to make his predictions. To that end, the main event challenge. Let's go. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And I'm going to drain the rest of this proper 12 flow as we get started. (laughs) It it literally will turn you into Conor McGregor. You will be flying off the handle in like another couple minutes. 
Well, those who know me well know that I don't have a great tolerance for alcohol. I don't drink that much, especially in the middle of the day when I got to go pick up my daughters, right? <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Toyo Tires Uber. is probably thinking, hey, can we get the host to like not drink before he reads yeah, the spot, nice. maybe? You're going to take an All Uber. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Uber. Sorry, Riley. No car seat today, honey. Get in the back <laughs> of the Uber. All right, UFC 229, Habib versus McGregor. First, we'll update the standings. It was a big week for, for Ken Flo in Sao Paulo in terms of the predictions, but the guy that we brought on, Brett Lopsy, also was strong as well. So 107-97 was the lead for Team Anik. You had Tiago Mahetta Santos, Ken Flo, by third-round TKO. So you called the round the method of victory. You also had Lil Nog as a plus-230 underdog but you only win the week 8-7 because Brett was basically with you every step Son of the way. Of so 114-105 going into the big one, but you got a lot of momentum. And as you might expect for a card of this magnitude, we're calling in the big guns on Twitter. He is at MMA, L-O-T-N, MMA lock of the night. Manpreet Jahas is back. Dang. My man, Manpreet. Welcome back. Attic, what's going on, my brother? I appreciate you guys having me back on, especially for the biggest event of the year. Uh, fourth quarter of 2018 is right here with us, so Team Anakin starts uh, time closing the show. Well, you made such an impression on me when you made picks for UFC 227 in Los Angeles that there was only one guy I was bringing back for the consensus biggest fight in UFC history, and that's MMA lock of the night. Let's get to it. First fight on the main card, strawweight. Uh, Felice Herrig slightly favored here, minus 135. Michelle Waterson coming back at plus 105. So Herrick, now 34 years old, just turned, dropped a split decision to Karolina Kovalkiewicz her last time out. That was a pretty dominant effort from Kovalkiewicz, if memory serves. Karate Hottie on the other side, split decision winner over Courtney Casey. That was back in April. Manpreet, close fight according to Vegas. How do you see it playing out? Well, like you touched on, uh, Felice Herrick ran into Carolina in her last fight. Uh, kind of stopped some momentum that she had going on with her. Uh, she did beat Grasso. Uh, which really put her on the radar, especially her being such a sizable underdog in that fight. Uh, she has great stand-up, solid Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and very physically opposing for this weight class. Uh, Michelle Watterson, on the other hand, you're talking about a former Invicta atomweight champion. You know, that's the 105-pound division for all you newbies. Uh, a lot of hype going into her UFC debut, uh, even though she was coming off a loss in Invicta. She's amassed about a 3-2 three, three to two, uh, UFC record with setbacks only to Rose and Tisha Torres. Uh, they don't call her the karate hottie for no reason, though. You know, she got some fluid stand-up, uh, unorthodox striking with the, with the karate base, and she's definitely a looker. But in this fight, I got to go uh, with uh, Felice Herrig. I think that Michelle is just too small for this division. She might have to hope that the UFC brings in the one five pound division or just go back to Invicta. I think she's going to get overpowered and outstruck by Felice en route to a Felice decision. Always insightful from Manpreet, but it is interesting when he talks about the karate hottie on the wrong end of the size equation yep. here, Kenny, because Courtney Casey is as physically imposing as any strawweight in this division, and I thought that was really a nice test for Watterson at this stage of her career, and I thought she passed it with flying colors. That was actually the first night I saw Watterson as someone who could potentially contend for the championship in this division. So your thoughts on karate hottie as a slight underdog this weekend against Felice? Yeah, listen, the difference is, though, Felice Herrig is a different kind of animal. I think she does have that strength uh, advantage as well, but she also has the skill advantage as well, especially on the ground. Um, and I think she's going to be able to hit some of those takedowns uh, against Michelle, especially probably late uh, in the fight. I think Felice uh, will win this by decision. All right, Felice Herrig, minus 135 right here at the outset of fight week. All right, next up on the main card, man, Preet. 
heavyweight title eliminator Alexander Volkov enters here, the minus 175 favorite, the Black Beast Derek Lewis, plus, one five, plus 145 or so right now. Uh, what do you think here, Manpreet? You going with the Black Beast or Alexander Volkov? Well, Alexander Volkov is kind of the forgotten heavyweight in the, the top five. You know, he's he's just coming off a KO victory of champion uh, or former UFC champion Fabrice over Doom. But people are still kind of like looking past him and not really bringing him up in the discussion in terms of uh, a title shot, which I think he's very deserving. Uh, he's riding a six-fight win streak, 20 KOs and 30 victories, which is just ridiculous. Uh, he's a durable, long heavyweight, uh, standing at six foot seven inches tall with an 81 reach, 81 inch reach. Uh, he's a former champion in other organizations. He uses his kickboxing very well with a good sense of range and has a pretty complete MMA game overall. Uh, Derek Lewis, though, uh, I'd, can we just not talk about the Ngannou fight? Kenny, let's just not even bring that one up. Yeah. Uh, he's gone 8-1 and one since uh, losing to Sean Jordan from that uh, hook kick KO. Um, you know, his only loss in that stretch was to Mark Hunt, which went, I believe, four rounds or so. Uh, his back has been a concern, even though, you know, that it's something that he's always, you know, pointed to when he's having issues inside the octagon. Uh, but, uh, you know, we know about his devastating power, his vicious ground and pound. He gets these rushes of adrenaline at the end of these fights as well. And it's always enough to get the KO, like see the Shamil Abdurrahimov fight, uh, or enough to just win the round, like the Roy Nelson fight, which was probably 1-1 going into that third round. Uh, in the end, my prediction has got to be that Volkov uses kicks, uh, to keep Black Beast on the outside. He mixes in a couple takeouts because I don't think Black Beast has much off of his back. Uh, Volkov will make it a boring fight and do enough to stay away from the power of Lewis. Uh, as long as he minds his P's and Q's, he should be able to come away with a decision victory. So I got Alexander Volkov. And you're right that he is the forgotten man in this heavyweight division, Kenny. He's 30-6, and six, a shiny 4-0 and in the UFC. And when they needed a backup for Stipe in D.C., the calendar played some role there, but Alexander Volkov was the guy who weighed in. So if he beats Derek Lewis here, his next fight, conceivably at some point in 2019, I know there's this Brock Lesnar cloud, but Volkov could be one win away from a crack at the UFC title. How do you think he matches up? with Houston's Derek Lewis. Well, he's got to utilize that reach uh, and, and length against the very dangerous Derek Lewis. Um, Volkov is, is a good striker. He's good everywhere. Um, he's a better overall mixed martial artist than Derek Lewis, in my opinion. Uh, but he does get hit. Um, he has to be much better defensively. All it takes is one, and all it takes uh, is one with Derek Lewis especially. So he has to be very careful. Um, yeah, if it plays out the way it should, Volkov should win this fight. Um, I, I think he should probably try to work in takedowns. However, that's where he's really going to have the huge advantage against Derek Lewis, especially if he gets that top position. I'm going to go with Volkov. Nine new nine UFC knockouts coming in for Derek Lewis. We'll see if he can make it ten. And and for Lewis, this is as close as he has been to title contention. Say what you want about that Francis Ngannou result, but it's a W in the column. Uh, of Derek Lewis, who obviously has a lot more UFC experience uh, than Alexander Volkov. All right, interesting light heavyweight fight here, man. Preet on the main card, at least in my opinion. Dominic Reyes against the roster staple, Ovin St. Pru. So Vince the dog here, plus 170. Reyes the minus 210 favorite. Reyes undefeated, man. Preet, you know Vegas likes those undefeated records. What do you think he does here against Ovin St. Pru? Uh, Dominic Reyes is definitely a budding prospect. You know, 9-0 all of them by finish except one. Uh, he seems to always be seeking the finish from all positions when he, whenever he's in the fight from you know, taking guys' backs, uh, which he did to Jeremy Kimball, or just uh, methodically uh, you know, knocking a, or getting a TKO over somebody in, uh, like Jared Cannonier. So uh, he picks his shots. He's very methodical, again, with his striking, um, and he never really lets the guys off the hook. Once he gets them hurt, he's, 
he's really good at finding uh, you know the the proper shots and and the proper entries to get the finish that he needs. Uh, OSP, you know, the, the pinnacle of his UFC career so far has been that loss to John Jones uh, when he stepped in on short notice for that fight. Uh, he's 4-1 and one in his last five with his only loss coming to Ilir Latifi. Um, you know, he has all the potential with his talent and his physicality, but he always ends up just falling short when he manages to string in, uh, together a couple wins. Uh, he didn't react very well to the leg kicks that Volkan Ozdemir was able to throw at him. Uh, and he's a slow starter, and that's the last thing you want to do with a guy uh, like the Devastator. Uh, my prediction for this fight, you know, Latifi uh, managed to drop OSP, and OSP didn't really hold that range very well. Pedro was able to drop uh, OSP and rock him as well, but, you know, he, he got a little bit overzealous with that guillotine and, and wasn't able to get the finish there and, and allowed OSP to get back into the fight. I think Reyes puts the pressure on OSP from the, from the jump, uh, rocks him, doesn't let him off the hook, and picks him up parking and gets the TKO in round number one. Yeah, Reyes doesn't fight at a light heavyweight pace. He fights more like a middleweight. He's a pressure fighter. And that does concern me about Ovin St. Preux, Kenny, in the early going, how he handles the fast start, potentially, of Dominic Reyes. 35th pro fight overall for St. Preux, 18th in the UFC. Perhaps experience will pay dividends for him. What do you think about OSP and the role of betting underdog this weekend, Kim? Well, for OSP, you know, fundamentally, he, he does make a lot of mistakes, and I don't see him changing any of those things in the future. His hands are typically very low, um, and that is always going to make him susceptible, especially to a guy with great uh, and fast hands like a Dominic Reyes. So he has to be very careful there. He's got to use those kicks from the outside and try to work in takedowns to get on top, try to control the action uh, from that position, maybe work one of his uh, guillotine submissions there. Uh, that's not going to be an easy task. I think Reyes is also pretty good on the mat as well. Um, so, yeah, listen, betting-wise, if I'm betting this, this might be one of the underdog bets uh, to, to, to place. Um, right. I think Owen St. Preux uh, can win this match. Dominic Reyes, while I do see him winning this fight, I'm going to pick him. As far yeah. as uh, the betters, for the betters out there, I think this is a, a pretty decent underdog pick in Owen St. Preux. Dominic Reyes is like a 3-1 to one favorite right now. Is that right? Yeah, a pretty big favorite. Pretty OSP big favorite. He had... I saw him as high as plus 185 today, so I think you are onto something there, Ken Flo. It was a little bit wider than than I expected it yeah. to be, so we'll see how it plays out this right. weekend. All right, co-main event, and I regret that we didn't spend more time on Tony Ferguson off the top of the show either last week or this week because lost in this Khabib McGregor dynamic is the fact that Tony Ferguson is one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world and has won 10 consecutive fights at lightweight and is returning here this weekend against Anthony Showtime Pettis a lot sooner than a lot of medical professionals would think he would be humanly capable of returning. Yeah. He had a very invasive knee surgery in April, and here is El Kukui, minus 350 against Anthony Showtime Pettis, who is plus 270. Very impressive to see Ferguson return here. The question is, in what form, man, Preet? What are your expectations for El Kukui and Pettis here this weekend? I think this is a tough fight for Tony Ferguson to come back from, especially after such a devastating injury and, and the, the surgery that he needs to have. Uh, Pettis is coming off a great victory over Chiesa, uh, even though everyone kind of counted him out in that. Uh, great technical striking, brilliant jiu-jitsu off his back. And let's just quickly talk about those quick like chokes that he got on uh, Melendez and Bendo. Uh, those are great, you know, quick submissions. Nobody really saw them even coming. There. He just latched on that guillotine onto Melendez like instantly. It was it was insane how quickly he got that. Um, and who can forget about the you know the the kick hurt around the world, the jump kick over uh, the fence on uh, Bendo. Uh, you know he's not the best with being pressured. He needs a little bit of space to get some shots off. 
Uh, and he always he hasn't always had the strongest takedown defense either. Uh, either um, Tony Ferguson, on the other hand, he is by far my favorite lightweight on the UFC roster uh, at this current moment. You know, he's running a 10 fight win streak. Uh, unfortunately, he's been barred by a string of bad luck injuries, fluke injuries, uh, the whole Khabib debacle, and not being being able to get that fight together. Uh, technically, he should still be in the interim champ. You know, it hasn't even been a full year since he's uh, since he fought Kevin Lee. Um, he has an orthodox striking, uh, awesome jiu-jitsu game as well, very excellent in scrambles, uh, has legit wrestling credentials and skills, but he doesn't lean on them much as, uh, as of late. Uh, he does get hit a lot. The Venata fight was just bonkers as well. Uh, so his striking defense is something, uh, you know, to, be, uh, to work on as well. Uh, my official prediction for the fight, however, uh, I think the severe injury layoff will play a factor in this fight. Uh, Pettis is definitely somebody not to overlook, and especially the fact that he's a three-to-one dog in this fight. I, I saw him at about plus three hundred today, so that's just right. insane. Uh, considering the circumstances and stylistic matchup, uh, I think Ferguson can make it a really easy matchup if he relies on his wrestling and and grinds Pettis out. But as my man John Anik says, you're betting the number, not the fighter. And I think Anthony will outstrike Ferguson. He'll land some beautiful counters and either catch a submission off of rocking uh, Ferguson or he might get uh, Ferguson uh, with some sort of choke on one of his wacky entries. So I think I'm going to go, or I will be going with Anthony Pettis to get some extra points for Team Anthony. That's very interesting, man. And that's, that's an... <clears throat> well, I, I know I can't I was going to go that. Well, that's an important distinction, though, right? Because if you have a gun to your head, you, you might take Tony Ferguson, right? But when you're sitting in a sports book, right, you have to try to find value you're betting a number and not the fighter as manpreet said so again this was wider than i expected kenny um especially given what tony ferguson has had to deal with outside the octagon and also in being around anthony showtime pettis right pettis 2.0 is here man i mean he is back right like he has literally gotten past a mental place in his career where he was hyper focused on the wrestling that kiesa result in july can't be overstated how big that is for Anthony Pettis coming in here against Tony Ferguson. Your thoughts on this co-main event, kid? Well, man, Preet, I was a little worried as you were breaking that down because I said, oh, man, I hope he doesn't go with Pettis. I hope he doesn't go with Pettis. And, of course, you went with Pettis. Uh, I had to but, do it, man. Oh, man. Well, listen, I, I like Pettis here as well against Tony Ferguson. And, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. Listen, I, I've been surprised with some of the results from Tony Ferguson I am always blown away by this guy because of his heart, his determination, his chin, his killer instinct. But when you look at him fight, he makes a lot of mistakes out there. And I think against a sharp fighter like an Anthony Pettis, you just can't do that. And I think Anthony Pettis is one of those guys that, yes, can Tony Ferguson submit him? Absolutely. But Pettis might be able to take advantage of uh, the inadequacies of, of Tony Ferguson, uh, both on the feet and on the ground. I think he's one of the few guys who could probably finish Tony Ferguson. Um, I think he's going to be cleaner on the feet. I think he has to be ready for the hardest 15 minutes of his life. Um, and, and Pettis does not like being pressured. I agree with you, Manpreet. And I also agree with the fact that um, you know he can slow down late in the fight, uh, especially with the type of a pace that Tony Ferguson can put on you. But I don't think it goes this far. I think we get blown away by an Anthony Pettis uh, finish in round two. I can't wait to see it. Ken Flo pretty convicted Pettis finishing Tony Ferguson this weekend but I also just feel like for Tony this is an opportunity on a huge show to show that he is back and seemingly better than ever and if he can finish Anthony Pettis on the other side then what, did man perhaps, go 
I'm sorry, did Manpreet go round one or two or three? He did not give us a round because okay. there is no think, round. You know, there is yeah, no finish. Okay, the co-main event. Co okay, gotcha. But we might give you an extra point, kid. You That's know, fine. You never know. It just depends what kind of mood I'm in. I mean, I, if I'm, I'm, if I'm drinking proper I'm 12. I know. I was going to say round one, but all right. That's fine. Uh, if I'm drinking proper 12 when I tally the results, I sometimes give Ken Flo That's an right. extra point. See? But He's not nice. always drinking proper 12 when I'm tallying up the results. All right. Main event. Here we go. Khabib Nurmagomedov, minus 170, the betting favorite. He will try to successfully defend his UFC lightweight title here against the former two-division champion. You may have heard of him, Conor McGregor, the notorious, a plus-140 underdog, at least in most spots as we sit here on Monday. MMA lock of the night. We need a lock here. Who will win this epic main event? Khabib Nurmagomedov or Conor McGregor? And ultimately, how do they get it done? And just with you teeing up this fight, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm so excited for this fight. I cannot wait for this fight to go down. Uh, Khabib, 26-0. There's a reason he's 26-0. He's one of the most feared wrestlers in the history of the UFC. Uh, unfortunate delay in his rise to start him with nagging injuries and blacking out certain months to fight due to Ramadan. Uh, but, you know, we see uh, his clear weakness in striking, but he's gotten away with it due to the fear uh, that he imposes or puts into his opponents with his wrestling. Uh, one thing that a lot of people that aren't really talking about, unlike Conor McGregor, Khabib uh, has actually been fighting guys whose strengths are massively stronger than Khabib's weaknesses in terms of striking. And he's ragged on them. Like three, his last few fights alone, Michael Johnson, Edson Barboza, Ally Quinta, very good strikers, you know, guys that may not be known for, for the finish like Conor McGregor, but guys that can put their punches together. And, you know, we saw what Michael Johnson was able to do when he was getting confident with his striking and was able to put some combinations together. Uh, eventually, Khabib was able to get Michael Johnson down, and it, that just kind of turned the tide uh, for the fight. Same thing in the Barboza fight, same thing in the Iaquinta fight, whereas in the Iaquinta fight, we saw a little bit more of, uh, you know, uh, Khabib's striking. Uh, it seemed that Iaquinta was too shy to pull the trigger due to the, you know, the fear of the wrestling. Uh, and then once we started talking about Conor McGregor, you know, this guy hasn't competed in the UFC since UFC 205 when he finished Eddie Alvarez. But then again, who the hell would if you got 100 mil in the bank, right? Uh, <laughs> confidence is far and wide the most we've seen in the UFC from Conor McGregor. And just to step into the octagon with that confidence is already an advantage right off the bat. Um, he has that powerful uh, left hand, great movement and great footwork. Uh, but the only real grappler he's fought in the UFC is Chad Mendes, uh, who's coming in on a super short notice and had a very depleted gas tank from the get-go. Um, he's only been taken down from Chad Mendes and uh, Nate Diaz. Um, but, you know, again, if Chad Mendes had a little bit more of a training camp, we may not even be talking about Conor McGregor as much as we are right now. Um, my prediction in this fight, uh, Conor needs to treat the warning track of the octagon like hot lava. As soon as he steps on that, on that border, he needs to circle off get back into the middle of the cage and stay off the fence as much as possible. Uh, Khabib needs to close the distance, uh, keep his striking defense on point, and get the takedown as soon as possible in every single uh, round. Every round, the first priority is going to be the takedown, and he has to, he has to take no chances uh, to get hit with that Celtic cross. I left my final pick as kind of to be decided because I was still unsure of who I would go with. But in the moment, I got to go with Khabib, third round TKO. I've seen everything on, on tape from their past experiences. And as a, as a handicapper, that's what you got to rely on. So just based on tape, I got to go with Khabib. All right, MMA lock TKO. of the night goes with Khabib Nurmagomedov, round three TKO. I'm going to get Ken Flo's pick on the other side. So, man, Preet, I appreciate 
your insights on Twitter. You can find him at MMALOTN. Thank you for your time as always, man. Great job. Enjoy the fights, and I'm sure we'll talk to you before the year's out, bud. Thank you so much. Last thing on the way out, exclusive dog play like I always do for the Anakin yes. listeners. I got one unit on Juicier Formiga at plus 150. And lastly, I got MMALOTN.ca dropping today. So make sure you guys hit that up and check out everything you need to know about MMA Lock of the Night. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Kenny. Let's fucking get these points. Thank you, buddy. There he is, man. Preach Let's go. Haas. Now, last time, I think it was J.J. Aldrich he gave you as an underdog pick for UFC 227, and that came in, and today he likes Juicier Formiga against Sergio Pettis. Some pretty good betting value there. All right. As far as betting this fight between Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor is concerned, as I've said over the last several weeks, if you do like Habib, I think you can wait. I think you can get a better price than 165, 170, whatever it is right now. I think the McGregor money is just inevitable when everybody gets to Las Vegas. Yeah. I think you're going to see this thing move 20 or 30 cents pretty quickly. Over-under is set at two and a half rounds right now. You can get even money for the over. So if you are on the Khabib side and you think he's going to extend Connor, maybe you see some value there. Kenny, when this fight was announced, I said on the Anik and Florian podcast that I believed when push came to shove, the striker Kenny Florian was going to pick Conor McGregor to win this fight. I'd imagine it's not all that easy for you to make this pick. I know we always ask you to do it on Monday, but the world wants to know on which side do you fall, Khabib Nurmagomedov or Conor McGregor, and how do they get it done? Let's break this down a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, now, when I look at their records and I see all the guys that they've faced, there's no doubt that Conor McGregor has beaten the tougher roster. There is just no debating that. Um, however, Habib Nurmagomedov has used a style that we saw in the late 90s and early 2000s with American wrestlers where they would take you down and ground and pound you into oblivion. And there was nothing you could do to stop it. You knew exactly what they were going to do, and you couldn't stop it. The fact that Habib Nurmagomedov is able to do this in 2018 against... Right. Every single person he's faced, all 26 of them, is nothing short of remarkable. However, it is a limited style, and there's times where I see him on the feet where he's very vulnerable to counter shots and other strikes. He's a little robotic in what he does. When he's loose and he's flowy, he's fine. It's okay. It's not that bad. But for me, it's his stance that worries me the most. He stands very square, which makes a very large target for any striker. The problem is he's not just going against any striker. He's going against Conor McGregor. And he has the ability, Conor, to find that one inch on your, on your chin that he can land that fist and you're out. Habib also uses that pressure style. Well, Conor sometimes will use that against you. However, it will be difficult um, for Conor to win this fight if he, if he does get backed up repeatedly in this fight. The man who dominates the center of the octagon will win this fight. And we saw it in his fight against Chad Mendez. Conor McGregor ran out to pursue Chad Mendez. He did not allow him to kind of come back and decide to kind of counter-wrestle. No, Conor McGregor takes a proactive approach against most grapplers. And I believe he will do this and must do this against Habib Nurmagomedov. I also think that Habib is going to deal with an emotion and an energy that he has never dealt with before. Is he scared of Conor McGregor? No. Is he nervous about how big this fight is? No. But 
he does want to destroy Conor McGregor. He wants to kill Conor McGregor. He wants to make him pay for everything that he's said, everything that he's done to insult him and his religion and his dad and his family. Those are the things that are going to bother a man from Dagestan. Those are the things that are going to bother a man like Habib Nurmagomedov. And that is what worries me most. Conor McGregor, you look at all the guys that he has faced. A lot of people believed he wasn't going to beat Dustin Poirier. Okay? A lot of people believed he was not going to beat Chad Mendes. That was a terrible matchup for him. That was at 145 pounds. Conor McGregor had a torn ACL. He was traveling back and forth on fight week, trying to cut down to 145 pounds. This guy was going over to Bristol, Connecticut to do an interview at ESPN on fight week. No one would do that. And he came back, he made the weight, and he won by knockout against Chad Mendes. Okay? Uh, Jose Aldo, the greatest featherweight of all time. That was the fight that Conor McGregor was supposed to be exposed in. 13 seconds later, Jose Aldo was knocked out face first into the canvas. Eddie Alvarez, a guy who was fought all over the world, had many fights, many big fights, could not execute a game plan because of his emotions in that fight. After all of that experience, after everything that he has seen, he wasn't able to put across that, take away that illusion, take away that pressure. And he lost to Conor McGregor and unfortunately looked like it was his first fight ever in mixed martial arts. Okay, Conor McGregor can do these things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, his fight against Nate Diaz, that he fought him at 170 pounds. He lost. He was embarrassed in that fight. He came back and looked sharp as hell on the feet. And I believe won that fight by decision. Okay? So this is a Conor McGregor who knows how to deal with pressure. He knows how to deal with adversity. Um, he's coming off this fight against Floyd Mayweather, one of the biggest combat events of all time, period. And I think Conor McGregor will get it done here against Habib Nurmagomedov. I do believe he will win this fight. If you think you know what's going to happen in this fight, you're crazy and you don't know right. what you're talking about because Habib could absolutely win this fight and he can win it by finish just with his pressure and his ground and pound alone. Sure. There's no doubt about it. But when I look at the records and I look at the way that Habib stands, that makes me a little bit nervous here against Conor McGregor because this is by far the best fight or best fighter that he's ever faced. But for Conor McGregor, this is also the toughest style matchup that he's ever had in his career. So this is one that can absolutely go either way. But for you betters out there, you get an underdog, Conor McGregor, I say take it. Um, This is going to be an amazing fight. I think Conor McGregor gets it done. Let's go with round one. Round one. And he, had, and he has really, in my opinion, probably 10 to 12 minutes to win this fight. He has yeah. 10 to 12 minutes to win this fight against Habib Nurmagomedov. Anything after that, I think Habib is going to get the win, most likely from uh, Connor being absolutely exhausted from that pressure style of Habib Nurmagomedov. Good stuff, Flo. One final quote here from Connor McGregor, courtesy themaclife.com. I think I'm going to turn him into a bobblehead, to be honest. It's personal, but it's the same. It's always a little personal. But in there, like I say, it's a blank face and a new body. I predict I see his head. I see him turning into a bobblehead when I hit him. I feel his brain is going to rattle when he gets a clatter of me. That's what I'm keeping in my head. So you have the most dominant force in the game, Khabib Nurmagomedov against the biggest superstar in mixed martial arts history, Conor McGregor. I thought you, you set it up really well. And I think without a common opponent, Kenny, 
you know, I think anyone that is so convicted one way or the other uh, is, is being a little bit disingenuous about yes. what we may or may not see Saturday night. Yeah, and, and listen, um, you know, no fighter, besides maybe John Jones, okay? John Jones is definitely at that level of a Conor McGregor where he is able to cut through the illusion of competition and cut through all the pressure and bring all of his skills to the table on fight night and more. There, there's no other fighter like, like a Conor McGregor that's able to do that. A lot of guys, you know, you'll see them in the gym and they're great, but on fight night, they're just not able, due to the pressure, due to the hesitation, right. due to the fear, they don't show us everything that they have. Right. Conor McGregor is able to do that unlike any other fighter, and I think w when it comes down to it, when the lights come on, Conor will show up. Um, and it, it's going to be a good one, man. It's an absolutely fascinating matchup. I will say, in terms of the big fight atmosphere and the walk that Habib is going to make, which is dissimilar to any walk that he has made before against Michael Johnson or anybody else, I think he is as well-equipped mentally, physically, emotionally to handle this as any fighter on the roster. Yes. That doesn't mean that Conor McGregor won't occupy some space in his head, but I do believe that Habib will be able to get past that and, and put his best foot forward. I'm glad I don't have to make a prediction on the fight um, and look forward to being there for the call. UFC 229, Habib versus McGregor. Saturday on pay-per-view, Joe Rogan, Dominic Cruz also on the call. Some of you asking why Daniel Cormier won't be calling the fight. Habib is his dear friend and teammate, so that removed him from contention. Ken Flo, where will you be for UFC 229, Las Vegas or what? I will be at one of my students' place watching it. He's got a movie theater in his house, oh, so I'll be watching right. it there. <laughs> Send me the text. Give me the analysis. Remember, I'll pay you, you 50 it. bucks a text for everything I use on the air. You got also, may, may Rocky BJJ. Yes, sir. Sunset Florian is back, 11677 Santa Monica Boulevard, mayrockybjj.com. If you do want to meet Kenny Florian, best chance to do it is probably coming in or out of May Rocky BJJ. I'll just That's throw right. that out there. Also, before we go, congrats to my man Keith Florian and to you as well, the New Look Florian Martial Arts Center in Brookline, Massachusetts. <laughs> I knew there was a renovation going on. I didn't know yes. you were actually moving the school. I also didn't realize it's been 10 years, kid. I mean, it's this crazy. is pretty incredible to see where this thing was in Brookline on Webster Avenue or whatever it was turning into this monster. So I just want to close congratulating you and Keith. Dude, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's been a, a wild trip, and to be able to do this with my brother has been really special. And, uh, yeah, we finally have showers. We have locker rooms. We have yes. an insane amount of mat space. We will have a cage in there as well. And uh, we, we are growing and, and building and, and look forward to having more students. And I'll be there over in November teaching. And uh, I can't wait to be back, man, and check it out for myself. But we've been working very hard and renovating the new Florian Martial Arts Center, new location. And uh, thank you for the shout, dude. All right, good stuff going on there and great stuff going on this weekend. UFC 229, Khabib versus McGregor, it shall be done. Thank you to our Fox Sports crew. Ben Wasorek, Danny, and the rest. Uh, our guest today, UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley, ESPN's Brett Okamoto. Of course, the great Ray Longo, MMA lock of the night on the picks. We cannot wait to be back here in less than a week. We'll rehash UFC 229, see how it all played out. It's the return of the king. Will Khabib Nurmagomedov spoil the party? Tony Ferguson's back as well. Can't wait for Ken Flom, John Anik. Thank you all for listening so much. Enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. We'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo fucking later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. 
Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.